Now, the last time I stood up here and spoke, I said to the congregation, How, who's excited? I got four hands. <laughs> so who's excited this morning? <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> when Sheila asked me to share, um, I went away and prayed with God over quite a long time. There's two things that happened. The first thing was, he reminded me of Jay's last preach in the church. Do you remember what it was? It was the book of John chapter 15, the Father's Garden. In particular, verse 5. And he says, that's where I want you to start, Lawrence, for where he finished off. And I said, well, I need a title, Lord. And he says, the title for today is being a carrier of God's presence. Are you getting excited now? Now, I will be speaking from some of my own personal experiences. Um, so we shall begin. John 15, 5. I am the vine, and you are the branches. If a man remains in me, and I in him, he said he will bear much fruit. And apart from me, he can do nothing. I think it's wonderful when you talk about Jesus being the vine and we're the branch. And as long as we're connected to the vine, he said you will bear fruit. He didn't say you might bear fruit. He said you will bear fruit. And the interesting thing about that is that unfortunately this thing called sin comes along and stops things happening. And uh, I was reminded of the obedience of the disciples, the apostles who became disciples. And that's where I want to go back to, being the carrier of God's presence, because that's where Jesus took them and began them. I find it really amazing that Jesus walking along the Sea of Galilee, and he meets them in the fishing boats. And he just walks up to them, and he just said, put your nets down and follow me. Now, can you imagine... The presence of Jesus was that strong that they literally put it down. Could you imagine if Jesus came today and you're in Sainsbury's and you're shopping and he walks up to you and he says, Lawrence, just leave your shopping. Come with me. I don't think Hillary would be very pleased about it. But <laughs> Seriously, that presence was so real and massive that just... You know, he didn't say to them, by the way, you're going to be with us for three years. And he, you know, they started the journey with him. So the obedience of salvation, which is where Jay was talking about, we need to be joined to the vine. And when you come into Christ and ask him into your life, Sheila talked about a few sermons ago, she talked about when you ask Jesus in salvation, you get filled with the Holy Spirit. We're talking about our body becomes a temple of the Holy Spirit. But that's inside. What I'm talking about is what's outside from that. Salvation. When I was pastoring in Newcastle, a guy walked through the door on a Sunday night and he was 
from Cardboard City. He smelt a bit. I said, what's your name? He says, I'm Robert. He says, I've been to the bridge three times this week. I said, well, I'm going to tell you, Robert, you come to the right place. He's talking about the time bridge he was going to end of his life. To say he was smelling a bit was an understatement. And he said, I used to be a Catholic boy when I was young, you know. I says, well, you know who Jesus is? He says, yeah. I says, well, I'll tell you what. You've just come in. He says, eh. Okay, he says, what are you doing here? I says, well, we'll praise God. And then somebody speaks, and then we'll have ministry. <coughs> so I went to the front, and the worship team started up. And that actual night, Dion was leading the worship. And this guy came and stood next to me. And when we started to dance, he was doing like the Highland Fling. But he was holding his hand like this all the time. And after about 10 minutes of the worship, he started to cry. And he sat next to me. And I said to God, what do you want to do? He says, Lord Lawrence. So I sat next to him. And I saw his hand. I said, what's wrong with your hand, Robert? And he took his hand away and it was like an egg on his hand. I says, can you move your fingers? He says, no, it's broken. I says, he should have gone to hospital. He says, well, I did, but they didn't like us because I smelled. I said to him, you remember, you told me that you knew Jesus as a boy. He said, yes. I said, do you believe? I'm going to ask you a question. Do you believe that Jesus can heal your hand? And I'm not talking about in now's town. I'm talking about right now. He said, no problem. Just like that. I asked the young people behind me to go and get the oil and pour it on my hands. And I sandwiched his hand between mine. And I started to pray for the Holy Spirit to come. I prayed for about five minutes and then I let go. And I let go and his hand was as flat as that. He jumped up and he started, I thought he was trying to bite us like a vampire. He was that excited. I said, move your fingers. I think we should go give God a clap for that. Now, you might think that's a great miracle, but I'm going to tell you the next miracle, which is in the application of John 15, 5 and John 3, 16, was a greater miracle. Because I let him on the ground and he sat next to me and I let him in the saving grace and salvation. I think we should give God a clap for that. Amen. So when you talk about the word of God, the Bible. Jesus taught everything in the Bible is what he taught. He didn't tell them anything else. He taught them about the word. He taught about fellowship. And he talked about praying. He talked about going out and being a witness. But most importantly, even though they didn't realize that Pentecost, that they will be moving in the power and the anointing of the Holy Spirit. So I'm just going to touch very briefly on those points. John 8, 31, 32, in the word it says, live in the word it says, if you hold to my teaching, you really are my disciple. And then you know the, you'll know the truth and the truth will set you free. 
God's word in your heart and in your hand. So you had to teach the uh, disciples. It's called, have you noticed you've got five fingers? H-E-A-R-T. H stands, when you hear the word, you receive it. H-E stands for examine the word, you understand it. He taught them that. A stands for analyzing the word, it teaches you to go deeper. R stands for remembering the word, to memorize it. You've got to remember the, the disciples, even though they didn't know when Jesus was going to go, a lot of them were going to end up in prison, and most of them, a lot of them would have died in there. Now, when you go to prison, somebody said to me, You've been to a prison, Lawrence? I said, just haven't been as an inmate, no. But the thing is, when you go into prison, and this could happen even, it's happening now, where you go get taken into the prison and they won't let you have your Bible. So it's essential that not only do you read the word, you, you need to remember it, you've got to memorize it. Because when you go in there and you haven't got a Bible, you need to know what the word is in your head. Somebody said to me, what's happened, Lawrence, when you get locked up then? I says, are you talking about me personally? I says, great. Captivated audience. They're laughing. I'm not. If you want to be serious for God, that's what you've got to do. And that's how far you're prepared to go as well. <clears throat> when you talk about uh, the word of God, one of the things that God said to me on certain occasions, I've had the opportunity to kick down the doors of hell to set the captives free over the years. Now, I'm going to give you one example of a situation where a man rang my house and here he answered the door, the window, the phone, sorry, and he told her that he was going to kill himself. He's terminating his life. And she said, go, Lawrence, you've got to go and help him. This guy went to church. He didn't go to our church. He went to another church. But it was a plea for help because he was going to end his life. But I didn't go by myself. Because God said, wherever you go, make sure you take this book with you. Because this is the double-edged sword. It says, when you hold to my teaching, you really are my disciple. When you're holding something, you're gripping it. Hear, examine, analyze, remember, think. And apply it in your life. So I took somebody else with me. And we spent six hours <coughs> with this guy. And dealt with about five or six spirits that were in him. He's still alive. Do you want to know who that person was? This man I brought with me who was a carrier of God's presence. You've probably heard of him. His name is the Reverend Harold Menzies. And I'm going back 30 years ago. You see, when pastors come to church and they do all the preaching, you don't know what happens. Like a guy said to me one morning, he said, why you look a bit tired, pastor? What he didn't realize was I was looking after um, in a hospital till five o'clock in the morning for twins that were born. One was born alive and the other one was dead. And I had to pray over the two babies in my arms 
So when pastor's doing things, you see them at church in the front, but you don't see what they do behind. It's not just a, it's a vocation, it's not a job. It's a real thing. Moving swiftly on from that, one of the things I thank God for Jay, what did he do in here? He woke up. How many people say, yeah, yeah, one or two? Do you know these prayer meetings we have? Who uh, created that? Him. He started something for us to carry on. John 15, 7, it says, If you remain in me and my word remains in you, ask of whatever you wish and it will be given unto you. Praying in faith. It's important that we spend time with God every day. Luke 9, 23 says, If anyone should come after me, they must deny themselves, pick up your cross daily and follow me. And it's an experience I love getting up early in the mornings. To be fair, this last week I've had a bit of a cold. So I've been getting up a bit earlier. But just sitting there in God's presence and just waiting on him, listening sometimes to his voice when he speaks. And when he speaks, he gets quite excited. I was in a dinner meeting down in East Triffield many years ago. And it was been after it was when Alpha first started and the Archbishop of uh, York had done this alpha and all these people that was there Holy Spirit weekend thing and I was the guest speaker and I remember going in and they had these round tables and there was about 110 people there and this lady I just sat down at any wrong table and this lady turned around to me she said um, we've heard some things about you I said really she says we've been told you talk to God I says correct she went I says, I've got news for you. He talks to me. She says, this is my husband. He's a magician. I says, really? <laughs> At the end of the preach, I made an altar call. Her and her husband and the other 16 got up and came to the front. When I'm driving down to this meeting, it's in the rain and I caught up these traffic lights and there's a car in front of us and it's got a sticker on the back window saying, I love my wife. And on the other side it said, I love my, my husband. And then when I got there, God reminded me about that sticker. He says, talk about that, Lawrence. I thought, what? You know, God gives you things and you think, well, where's this going? So I shared it. People start crying. I said, if you're with your spouses today, tonight, I want you to stand up and walk to the front now. And if you're not with your spouse, come anyway. So they moved all the chairs out and they all stood in these rows. And I said to God, what do you want us to do now? I haven't got a clue what I'm doing here. And that's the best thing you see because he's the one that leads. He's the one that carries his presence with you. And I just prayed a prayer. Next thing they're all eating carpet. I'm going to tell you something. Some of them were saying things to each other on the floor I wouldn't repeat. Asking for forgiveness. I'm talking about, as they say in Coca-Cola, the real thing. (laughs) 
there was a guy. I was in Braithwaite when I was at Heaton Baptist Church. Jim Wilson was the pastor. He's sitting here today. And they had a guest speaker from Ireland called Arthur Williams, who's part of the Stourus Foundation for Drug Habilitation. Amazing man of God. He was the guest speaker. And we had this meeting during the whole weekend. And during the weekend, I noticed this guy called John. When we went for the walk in the afternoon, he wasn't, he didn't, there was something wrong about him. And I remember on the tea time, I said to him, hi, John, I'm Lawrence. Uh, are you all right? And he went, no. I says, I've noticed that you keep lying down. He says, yes, I've, I've got a problem. I've got ME. I says, you've got ME? He said, yeah. Now, you know, for you medical people here, ME is terminal. There's no way for it to get cured. So we started the meeting and Arthur started preaching. At the end of the meeting, John Max Boren, the Reverend John Max Boren, great pal of Jim and myself, he stood up and he started to close the meeting. And just then he said to us, Lawrence, is God speaking in the meeting? I said, he is. So I walked to the front and I shared a few words of knowledge for the meeting. There was about 50-odd 50, 50 guys there. But just as I was sharing the words of knowledge, God pointed to this man called John from Wishaw in Scotland. He said, Lawrence, ask John if he believes that I can heal him right now. So I asked him the question. If I said, if you believe that, stand up. And he stood up. I called on the power of the Holy Spirit. And he put him on the floor gently. He lay there for quite a while. Now I need to tell you, when you've got ME, you're right. One minute you're all right, next minute you're not. And he was just like, he was all withered when he came in. It was just like he just wanted to lie down and go to sleep. M-E. Not M-S, M-E. So, what happened next was, we started to pray for him, and then I saw a colour coming back in his face. And then the Holy Spirit came in the meeting, a lot of the guys were getting ministered to. When he got off the floor, he was jumping around like on a pogo stick. And we went outside and there was a telephone box across the road and he went to the telephone box and he rang his wife in Wishaw in Scotland to tell her that he'd been healed. What we didn't realise was in Scotland, in his house, there was 35 ladies praying for his healing at the same time as we were praying for him. Let's give God a clap. The power of prayer, it's unstoppable. The right hand of fellowship is one of the things, a good thing about this church is fellowship. You just, you're greedy. You just want more and more and more and more. You have more clarty parties in here than anywhere I know. Oasis, Wednesday. He just come together. 
There was a guy I'm, I knew, he was called John Goodhall. He was a... I'll just read the scripture before I do that. John 13, 34, 35 says, A new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this all men will know you are my disciples when you love one another. I always ask the question, when does love become real love? And the answer is at the very moment that you give it away. The love of Jesus. This guy, John Goodhall, was a consultant uh, surgeon in Harrow on the Hill. And one of the things that happened to him was he used to try and get everybody on the street, because it was a very posh area, to go to church to have fellowship. Because the church was great, it was fellowship, but he just couldn't get these people to go to the church. He tried year in, year out. He just couldn't get them to go. So he phoned us up. He said, will you pray, Lawrence? I said, I will. So I prayed a prayer. I said, God's going to tell you next week, John, what to do. And he did. He rang us back. He said, Lawrence, I've organized a party. I said, right. I said, I've invited the street. Because I won't go to the church, so I'm just going to have a party here. I said, right. He says, and you're the guest speaker. I said, thanks. <laughs> so I took Roly Johnson with us, one of my companions that, with his worship. It fitted in with going to Hall because the following morning I had to go to Cleden in Bristol before I went and did South Wales on, on the, the tour. So he said to us, he says, you need to get there for six o'clock at night. It's cocktails. I said, sorry? <laughs> cocktails? We're Jody's man. So I get to this house and all these people start turning them and I'm thinking, they're not going to get everybody in here. And this guy standing in front of me and he was bragging about his, his empire business and he, he turned to me and he said, and what sort of line of business are you in? I says, I'm in the recycling business. <laughs> he, says, he says, plastic or metal? I says, people. He went, God? I went, yes. Poof, he was away. His girlfriend was a professional photographer and she worked for National Geographic. She, worked, she flew all over the world. She was like a blotting paper. Everything I was talking about Jesus, this is before we even got the meeting, she just took it in. So I said to John, John, hey, I'm not being funny like, but where the heck are you going to get all these people? I mean, the whole street's coming. He says, oh, I've hired the restaurant at the top of the street. I says, the restaurant? He says, yeah. I says, how do you manage that? He says, well, I told everybody it's free. I says, you're paying for it. I'm not suggesting you do that here, mind, because you might give Sheila a shock. So anyway, what happened was we get to this restaurant and uh, everybody's having a jolly good time. And then I got Rolly to play the keyboard. And when he was playing the keyboard, the presence of the Holy Spirit came. He was playing the keys and the, the carrying of the presence just came into this restaurant. When I got up to speak, and I didn't speak for long, so it's a miracle, 20 minutes. 
The guy that owned the restaurant is Italian. He was a Catholic. He stood behind me. Till I finished speaking. Then he wasn't standing behind me. He was on the floor. God came. The first girl who came out the front was a National Geographic. She got saved. The guy who owned the restaurant, he got saved. The next one got saved. And it went right through with just a pattern. And then I started to speak about different situations. And God just ministered one by one by one by one as the presence of the Holy Spirit went. Guess what time we left the restaurant? 25 past one in the morning. Because you see, when God comes, there's no time on the clock. Because he takes over and does what, don't worry, I'm not going to go. But seriously, the whole situation was amazing. The amazing thing for John was he stood up a year later and he made a comment. He says, I need to tell you everybody in his church, I know that God is real. He says, because God sent two Geordies down to Harrow and this is what God did through them. Now I know God's real. And that was his statement. Nothing to do with us, just what God did. We're just hands and feet. You need to remember this. We're only vessels to be used for his glory's sake. When people say you've got a healing ministry or you've got a deliverance ministry, no, I haven't. God's got all those things. They're just things he utilizes you in at the time appropriate to itself. To lay witness when he talked to the disciples about laying witness. John 15, 8. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit showing yourselves to be my disciples. In Lithuania on my travels, on the third visit, I went to the city of Vilnius. And when I was in Vilnius, I went to the Congress Hall where we had the meeting. When I came to the end of the meeting, I made an altar call, nobody responded. I made several words of knowledge, nobody responded. And then I said to God, there's nobody listening in here, Lawrence. God. He said, Lawrence, I want you to walk amongst them. So as I started to walk amongst them, he was given this revelation for individuals in the room. I remember the guy that I said was deaf and he walked past and he just took the hearing aids and dropped them on the floor. Because you can't hide from God. And I went round this week and I was in there for a long time and I came to this girl and she had a hand on her knee like that. And I said, are you the girl that's had the problem with your leg? And she started to cry and said, yes. She says, I was an Olympic runner for Lithuania. And four years ago, I had an accident and I haven't been able to run since. That situation was she couldn't, she hadn't been able to run since. She'd been through five physicians and they didn't know what to do with it. They couldn't fix her leg. 
So I said, would you like us to pray for your leg? And she went, no. She says, I want you to lead me to the throne of grace and salvation. Now, when somebody gets their priorities right, God's will first, believe me, I knew when she said that, that God was going to do something with her leg. So I took her through the sinner's prayer, and when I finished, I then turned, and I, I, I said, just put your hand on your leg, and I'm going to touch your leg now. And I started to pray. When I came to the very end, everybody started to exit the room, totally transformed for a lot of them. But I remember when I got to the door of the, church, of the, the, the Congress Hall, God said, turn round, Lawrence. And I turned round, and I looked at the main wall right at the end, and I saw a vision of bags of rubbish all heaped up. I said, what's this, Lord? He says, that's all the rubbish that I've took out of them while you are ministering. You see, the thing is, I remember years ago, God told me to stand up one place and then he put us on the floor and then all of a sudden I felt like stuff getting pulled off us. Because over the years you get your ministry, you get pulled and touched and the stuff, you know, like when you talk about a ship, it looks all nice in the water, but underneath, in, in the, under the water line, it's got barnacles all over it. So stuff gets stuck to you. And I didn't even know this stuff was on it. And God gently but surely pulled it off as one part at a time. That's for all of us. It's not just mine, not just on me talking. When I walked into the main street, there was a gathering of people standing there clapping and applauding. And I walked up to this guy and I said, what's going on? He says, Lawrence, look. And the girl, the Olympic runner, was running straight down into the hill, Cobble Street. It was her fourth time up and down, running as fast as a sprinter. Let's give God a clap for that. Amen. I'm nearly finished. I'm coming into the land. Ministry of service. John 15, verse 13. Greater love is no one than this. than he laid down his life for his friends. You know, you've seen this before, but I'm going to show you it again. I take this with us everywhere I go. It's a replica nail of the same size nail that the drove in my Saviour's hands and feet. The same hands that surrendered to the cross at Golgotha are the very same hands that threw stars into space. That's how much he surrendered for us. come to the end of 2023 we've talked about obedience and being part of the vine to live in the word to pray in faith to fellowship with believers to witness and finally to move under the power and the anointing of the Holy Spirit 
somebody said to me, how come, Lawrence, you've had all these experiences? Because this guy said, I've never had nothing like that. I said, I don't know. I can't answer that question. Only God knows that answer. But I can tell you something now. Before I knew Jesus, I always made sure when it came to getting the credit that I got it. He says, so? I says, the only difference now is I make sure he gets it. When you lift up Jesus high and glorify him through all whatever aspects of it is, and you see, we're talking about, Sheila was getting excited about, we're on the we're on an exciting journey that we're going along in the ship, as you say. And 2024 is going to be another episode and something amazing for the church. Who's excited? We are no. Okay, try. 16. It's getting warmer. Let's just close your eyes a minute. Heavenly Father, Lord, I just want to thank you for this morning. You know, we'll come to church. I remember a girl went to church for 23 years, but she never made a profession of faith until something happened and the connection and the link took place. And while all eyes are closed, I'm just going to ask this question. I'm speaking to those who have never actually, you might have come to church and done church, but you've never actually made that step of faith in salvation. But I'm going to make that opportunity available for today for not only to be brand new in Christ and salvation, but also to be brand new in a brand new year. 2024. It's called a dummy wobby. So what I'm going to ask you to do, if the desire of your heart for those who don't know you, know Jesus, I'm going to ask you to repeat this prayer after me and not to inhibit anybody from doing so, I would ask the congregation to join in. Okay, let's pray. Heavenly Father, I acknowledge my need of salvation. I believe that Jesus is the Son of God and he died in my place bearing the punishment for my sins. I believe, and I say sorry for my sins. Believe that he died on the cross to be raised three days later in resurrecting power to be seated at the right hand of the Father. And I now confess him to be my Saviour and Lord to be born again this day. But just keep your eyes, just keep your head down. If anybody's prayed that prayer, meaning and believing for the first time, I would ask you just to do one simple thing. Raise your hand for the first time. All saved. I can tell you, It'll be the best decision you'll ever make in your life.
God give us one word for this morning's service. When I talked about Jesus being surrendering himself on the cross, he said to us, I want you to give that word out, to surrender. Keep your eyes closed. When I talked about stuff getting stuck on you, disappointments or things where things haven't gone right, family, friends, falling out, whatever. Multitude of things. But God was reminding me that we need to surrender those things to the cross in order to be part of the vine, to be joined to it. Because as long as you're joined to the vine, you'll be in a position and being able to be a carrier of his presence. Just, just think about that right now. You've been hurt, rejected, fallen out. You know you have to put things right. And even when somebody's done something against you, just bring it before God now as I speak and just say, Lord, I'm sorry that it's come to this. You take the lead. Thank you, Lawrence. It's always good to hear what God's done, and it's good to know that there's more to come, that we're all can be filled with the Holy Spirit, and God has something for each of you in 24. And I can't go without thanking everyone for all the... If the band can come up, we'll finish on a song of praise. Just to thank you all for all the involvement over the Christmas period, for those who could be here. I know you couldn't... Everyone couldn't be at everything, but wow, what a Christmas. <coughs> Oasis, packed to the hilt, even when you didn't have a service on, packed to the hilt, that coffee morning day. The carols in the park was really well attended. People were stopping, listening, and hearing songs about the Lord. A couple of visitors we weren't expecting in the form of paramedics, but even God was in that and providing a GP right on hand when he was needed. Carol service here, Martin and his sketchboard just amazing word martin great to see new stuff all stuff being resurrected and used for his glory that was a real blessing and then i was thinking well everybody's been to something now then the christmas eve service for those of you who couldn't get <coughs> packed about 160 odd people came here <laughs> including some of my family i was just and Give Becky a credit, she did an amazing job in that silent night. <laughs> Becky, that silent night with those candles will remain with me for a long time. And then David and Hilary, who gave the worship band a day off and led Christmas Day. And again, we were full. It was just so wonderful. God is so good. And there's so many good people here. 
with servant hearts and more to come with John and Debbie.